Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Pierre, and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we get together, we talk about movies, sci-fi movies. You know, we, we watch a movie, we, we, we talk about it. It is really quite that simple. And we started the Matrix franchise a couple months ago because the fourth new films coming out allegedly at the end of this year so it made sense that we had to have done the previous three you know so that we'd be all all up to date and i think especially for the sequels it had been such a long time since either of us had seen them it was a, a probably a very valid trip down memory lane to be refreshed in time for number four so obviously we watched the matrix and we might have both loved it more than we ever have before and that's you know saying something because it was already obviously high in or less high on her praise. And then we watched the Matrix Reloaded. And oh boy, this is just as bad, if not worse, than it did possible. I mean that was maybe that was more my sentiment than yours, admittedly. You were maybe a little bit more kind. I would say, yeah, kind is the right word. <laughs> generous. You've been very generous and kind. Because you're very maybe a hint forgiving. You're a very generous and kind and forgiving person. And that's <laughs> that, that's that's sweet and it's nice. But I'm not here to be those things. I'm here to be... Yeah, don't paint me that that way anyway. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Uh, you're the good cop <laughs> here, usually at least. But maybe, maybe if we do like a reference movie, I'll be a good cop. You'll be back up. But he's not in sci-fi yet, I don't think. Stop my head. So, naturally we're here today to talk about The Matrix Revolutions, which I'm actually staring at the title as I say it because I've messed up the title of this third one every single time I've tried to refer to it. Because yeah. I, I couldn't remember if it was the Matrix Revelations as opposed to the Revolutions. And even now as I'm looking at it in IMDb, I'm still not... Like, did they have different titles in different countries? Is this like a Zootopia, Zootropolis <laughs> situation where it was... Because it was, famously, I got really confused when that movie was coming out because I kept seeing the two different titles. And it turned out it had a different title in the UK and the US. And that's why I kept seeing two different titles depending on where I was looking. That's so strange. I, I didn't even realize that. It was really weird. Uh, why, why make the title change? It seems like you guys wouldn't get it if it was Zootopia. Yeah, I'm yeah. the idea of say, saying the word Utopia, for example, is definitely a thing in the UK. I don't know why they thought... <laughs> this, this is not like when they changed uh, Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone because they thought Americans would be too dumb to understand what a philosopher is. <laughs> Touché. Hey, I'm not, I don't think Americans are too dumb to think, understand what a philosopher is. I'm saying that's what Warner Brothers thought. <laughs> Okay? If I'm going to make fun of Americas, I'll do it. But I, I genuinely don't feel that way. <laughs> Warner Brothers is just a council of elders. <laughs> Much like in The Matrix. And it just so happens that Warner Brothers also released The Matrix films. So this is all, we've all circled back <laughs> round. And we're going to talk. Just to refresh where we were at the end of Reloaded, I will say just full spoilers for Revolutions because I, I don't see why anyone will... Yeah, it's the third film. Yeah. Uh, so we left with the cliffhanger of Neo having used his effectively his powers in the real world by stopping some sentinels, which put him into effectively a coma. And he was lying right next to the, the man, the human man that Agent Smith had somehow came out of the Matrix into the real world by effectively body snatching uh, this, mm -hmm. this guy. Um, I've said effectively three times in the last 30 seconds, which is a sign that I'm tired when I'm reusing words too many times. But um that's where we left off with that 
and of course the machines were on their way to Zion, which they told us numerous times in the second film that was going to happen soon, and then it was not until this one. So we begin there. We begin with needing to find where Neo is, how to wake him back up. Whilst the machines are still on their way to Zion, maybe they'll get there someday, uh, somewhere in the middle of the film, perhaps. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into where it goes. I I guess I'll just I'll ask before we we get into the rest of it. Uh, well, having watched this again for the first time in at least a decade, how did you feel revisiting Matrix Revolution? I didn't like it very much. I like. I like some of the big ideas that the Wachowskis are trying to do here. Like, but you know, obviously I already hate the idea of matrix sequels after the first perfect film, 10 out of 10. I'm sure you agree. 8.5. But it's, yeah. um, So they really had to like justify why they wanted to show the rest of it because it sort of ruins the themes of the first one that I enjoyed watching with having that in the back of my mind. So, and I I understand like some of the themes here and the theme of love and, and, you know, meeting your God because you're in this world that their God exists in and like the whole parable between Christ, antichrist figures, stuff like that. But the actual execution of everything. Christ? Antichrist? You're telling me there's allusions to Christianity in this film? I didn't. That's that shocking to me. I didn't see so no oh, such you things. You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. I know you're tired right now. <laughs> but <laughs> the yeah. So I mean, you know, big ideas. Got it. Um, <laughs> but the actual like watching of the film is not very enjoyable. Like, the, <laughs> there's not even like any like really big segments like the first two movies like at least the second one had like you know the highway thing that's really cool or like some of the fights were really good even though you disagree um there there weren't like these big set pieces this was like we're gonna have a big war that's hard to watch because it's just a bunch of swirly squiggly things and a lot of sweaty people in cgi machines and (laughs) and uh some people doing some tricksy flying maneuvers for a while and that gets real boring. Um, and then when we do get some fight stuff that, you know, we're expecting to get, so one-on-one fights, it's just so The word you're looking big. for, the word you're looking for, <laughs> this fight towards the end between Neo and Smith, the word you're looking for is anime. Yeah, it's very anime, it's very big, <laughs> it's very, like, we're just going to make the punches the size of a city or a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not fun to watch anymore. Yeah, so it's pretty disappointing, and um, but you know the big ideas that were established from the architect and the oracle. I don't mind that stuff continuing. Some of the ideas with um, I guess like the 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 com- the computer characters that are inside of the matrix are interesting, like their development, but. Overall, it's not very good. I thought, I thought this was laughably bad in places. There were there were times in this where, like, not not like so entertainingly laughably bad that I would enjoy watching it as a bad movie. It's it's too depressing and 
and dull for that most of the time. But there's a, there's a famous uh, shot of Smith sort of laughing maniacally in this. And it kind of sums up how I felt about Smith in the entire duration of this movie. And to an extent in the last one as well, but this one especially. Is he, is, he is chewing the scenery in a way that feels like a, a parody of what he was in the first film. Because he was chewing scenery in the first film. He, he was monologuing a bit. But so, somehow, like, it feels like in a lot of ways they were into these sequels going, we have to have lots of Matrixy things happen again. Mm-hmm. Without having the story first, and then the story was built around having matrixy things happen. One of the biggest complaints I had about Reloaded was that everything felt so arbitrary. It was just making up goals. To, you know, like we have to get to the key maker, which gets to this building, which gets us to the architect, and it's just all these like artificial goals in place to get to the thing. Yeah. And this isn't as guilty of that, just because of the nature of like a lot of it's the Warren Zion, but. They're still there. Like the, the opening section of this film, the opening like half hour or whatever it is, is purely just about getting to Neo, who's in a new place that we've never heard about, which is kind of like a subsystem of the Matrix. And to get to him, you have to the the, 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 the train man. And how do you get to the train man? Oh, the French dude from the last movie. He he he's he's the boss of the train man. And we even get like a scene that feels like kind of a, a crappy redo of the 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 lobby fight. From the first Matrix movie, they've got all the pillars and stuff. And as soon as they walked in, because I'd because for- I'd forgotten so much of the third one, I want to make that clear. Like I remember the Zion War stuff, like in general, like in my head, just mm-hmm. like all the, the shots of the guns firing. But I did not remember th- this. Like, oh wait, it's just a fight with a big room of pillars, like the you know, like the first film, but not as interesting because it's just kind of there. Because we need some. It's like we need an action scene at the start, so we're going to make getting to Neo a bit of a bit of a challenge, a bit of a goal. Um, yeah. And, but the the biggest thing though that was pissing me off during this film, obviously those conceptual ideas, some of which I don't necessarily think are terrible ideas, but the execution's horrible. But the biggest thing that was really upsetting me in this movie was just how often characters were reiterating things that they'd already said, or even started like conversations with. Do you remember what I said three hours ago? Do you that remember what scene- I did this? took forever by the way <laughs> i was so over him like just die already <laughs> well you're thinking of a big dramatic death towards the end but they, they did it multiple times before that i, I was like see, see once they're back on the ships and they're all like talking and neil's back like there's so many scenes of people referring to past events and explaining what happened last movie or explaining what happened earlier this movie or just like instead of having things that propel development and propel like relationships to like continue and develop in different ways, they just kind of keep bringing up stuff that's already happened and talking about it again to like reinforce why they care about the current situation. Like this is not. Do you know what it is? This it, the rating quality of this movie. I mean, the last one as well. To be fair, I think, but this one in particular was reminding me a lot of a couple of bad episodes of The Flash on the CW. It was CW writing quality where characters just kept talking ad nauseum about what they'd already went through and repeating things. And it was just, oh my God, this script is horrible. For any good ideas that might be like nestled under there somewhere, and they technically are in a way, like there are things if you dig deep enough and like think about the potential ideas, there could have been good stuff. But mm-hmm. the execution, the dialogue, the progression of the, char- the, the structure of this film is really weird because... 
the everything just sort of stops for like 35 minutes in the sort of middle ish part of the movie and we have like 35 minutes of a bunch of characters we i mean we barely know really because all, all the fighting in zion this is worth mentioning they are all characters that have had one or two scenes of introduction and for many of them in the last movie <laughs> as opposed to this one and they're carrying this big giant fight for zion yeah is, it literally no one we care about no no one um and it, it just just and some, some of them are actually like like that that one girl who the z is her name like she's uh, uh, not a good actress oh uh, the wife of yeah. uh of uh link of no, like, tank no, link no. it's link is it link yeah it's like oh, it's like okay okay yeah yeah tank was that tank and dozer were the first movie yeah and they both didn't make it they both didn't make it yeah yes um well one technically made it but then he died off camera between movies because he wanted too much money apparently <laughs> well he sustained some pretty big injuries maybe maybe he got infected or something yes yes <laughs> oh thank you phone for that message of tara saying i'm ready <laughs> so so oh, helpful that's... now <laughs> so helpful at this point in time um yeah i like because obviously they introduced the nervous kid uh who, who was really you know worshiping neo last movie they introduced yeah. his wife i think arguably she has maybe the most grounded thing because she cares about making sure like that he gets back or whatever uh but there's a, there's a whole She's so dull there's a whole new character introduced in this movie uh this this guy who's like the the head commando or whoever he like you know these but these big mechs that are all like in right he, he's like the, the head of this and he has a scene with the the nervous kid and that's his, his introduction his introduction is just how he kind of interacts with him for one scene where he kind of goes you know what you're a little underage and the kid says yeah but it doesn't matter that i'm 16 the machine's going to kill me just the same he's like you know what you've got a point you can help reload the because because they have these guys running out and like reloading the big clips into the, the back of the mech because they're firing thousands of bullets and stuff mm-hmm. into the into there um but yeah he has like a big dramatic death at one point where he slowly dies as he's bleeding and he's like saying we need to get the gate open and i'm like like this may not actually be that bad in terms of like following all these characters if, if, if you'd made them i don't know interesting or likable in the last movie that may have helped but it may not be such a bad thing that it's a bunch of effectively C-less characters if it mm-hmm. was intercutting with the heroes we do know and care about. Yeah, it really, <laughs> like, I, I, there was one point I was just like, man, we haven't seen Neo in a long time. No, it, <laughs> it's like, he has obviously the plot with the, uh, you know, human Smith happens, like, mm-hmm. right, I think right before the, the Zion stuff, right? But then, yeah, we... we we cut away from them, and we're, we're we we do occasionally cut to Morpheus and Naomi who are on their yeah, way but back. Morpheus is so wasted in this film. Oh, Morpheus has nothing. I to don't do. mean drunk. I mean like he's not used. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he, he has nothing. He, he is there. You remember how cool he was? <laughs> not anymore. I also so one of my complaints with the last movie as well is that Neo was just waiting for a phone call so he could go see the Oracle. Like mm-hmm. I actively almost like kick something near the start of this movie where they they go to find him they finally get into this this train station you know it's between under the matrix and then they're about to leave he goes we can't go yet it's like why i need to see her I have to see the oracle. oh my god <laughs> why like 
it was it was cool and mysterious in the first movie right because we didn't really mm-hmm. understand anything and everything was so new which actually one of my main complaints about these sequels and i was is, is, is especially bugging me in this one is that the matrix just doesn't feel the same it doesn't have the same atmosphere as it did in the first no. movie and I, that's just something that i think is worth mentioning but everything in these movies and these sequels revolves around having to keep going back to the oracle for guidance and it just all feels a bit cheap she, she feels more like a weird like vague plot device than she does something that's i don't know like actually someone who actually has insight or or anything mm-hmm. uh, uh luckily she gets uh agent smith <laughs> like like about a third of the way in so it's not something and we have to keep doing uh, she's been recast she has been recast the actress passed away uh, oh i think i remember hearing that yeah uh so they they, they kind of they kind of tried to just write it in quickly. It's just a fine explanation. Like, you know, she was, like, they tried to delete her or something like that. So she ended up with like a new the body or, or whatever. Like, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm not going to judge them for that. Like, no. <laughs> I can't, can't blame she them for She has the same died. attitude and mannerisms. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, the actress does a decent job of kind of mimicking the, the previous actor. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that pissed me off. So we'll get more in detail on all this stuff in a bit. But uh, I just. I, I was baffled. I thought Smith was laughably bad pretty much every time he popped up. Um, it's so, yeah, it's so sad, you know, because the first film really established these characters as like, you know, some some that we're going to remember for, you know, the rest of movie history. <laughs> like, he's such a great villain in the first film and Morpheus is such a great hero in the first film. And these two movies just sort of make them terrible to a point where like like i know the first movie's a 10 still but there's a reason i haven't watched these movies in a long time and it's because the the sequels really make me look at the first movie in a poor light and i have to try to separate it i I think it did for (laughs) me for a time and i when i watched the first one again about four years ago i was like you know what no this is still really great like this 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 holds up and so this viewing of these sequels is not really sullied by the first one again for me because now like I've I've got it really especially since we're you know we're analyzing we're talking about mm-hmm. them we're seeing what, what worked in the first one and why yeah, these ones I mean, don't work. I really took a long break from these films too. So yeah. watching that first one again is like I remember why I yeah. loved it. it. No, it it really is special, and everything in these sequels just feels like we're trying to recapture the same moments because they kind of overdo some of the matrixy things i I think part of it is that yeah the first one wasn't a low budget movie it was like a 65 million thereabouts uh budget for what Mm -hmm. it was doing and obviously it's done a lot of big stuff but they got more money obviously for for these sequels and it feels like that almost like hurt it in a way because they just like oh we can just do all these matrixy things whenever we want so you know, there's a moment early on in the film where they're they're doing the fight scene where it's this Morpheus, it's, it's Trinity, and it's uh, Oracle's bodyguard man, whose name I can't remember. Um, they go to the the can't club remember. to meet the the Merovingian, and they're having the big lobby fight scene. And there's and a moment, the Lady with the boobies, which we the, get to see one more time. We get to see Lady with the boobies. Uh, yes, Monica Bellucci. <laughs> she she is Lady with boobies. Uh, but no, Trinity does the thing. She she does the the jump. It slows down, and she does the kick. And it's like this is this is the same kick she did in the, the first movie, and she did play at least once in the second movie as well. 
uh, you know, rather than it being one cool thing that happened that we got to witness, it's like, oh, we're repeating that because that's the the reference. Remember the first movie? You like the first movie, don't you? Here's a reminder of the first movie. Yeah. And it does that a lot. There's, there's, there's a couple of moments in this where it tries to do the... And I respect the attempt at this because I like when this actually works. But there's a moment where when Neo's going off on his insane mission to the Machine City and he's saying goodbye to Morpheus and he, he puts out his hand and says, it's been an honour, sir. And he says, the honour is still mine. If you remember, you know, one of the first things they said to each other when they met person to person is he said, it's an honour. And Morpheus said, no, the honour is all mine. You know, But it kind of felt like because this movie is failing to actually justify its own existence, it still kind of felt like, oh, we're, we're going to keep tying back into that first one because that's the, the one that has weight. That's the one that we all care about. Yeah. So. There are some themes that are brought up that are I do think are interesting. I, we know from the, the last movie that the reason Neo, this Neo is different is because of his love for Trinity. And in that opening scene with... Um, with Neo in the train station, we see that there are Matrix characters who are who have created a child that's not supposed to exist, that has no reason to exist in the Matrix other than they love her. Which I mean is is interesting and adds more lore to this world that, you know, so long as you're gonna make more movies, give me some more lore. And that follows through to the to the end of the film as well. Yeah, just to be specific here, we're not talking about uh, humans who are in the matrix. We're talking about programs here. Programs, programs, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, programs who have created an offspring, a child, that um, they're trying to smuggle through the Merovingian in order to be able to keep, um, because otherwise she shouldn't exist. And they really genuinely feel love for her, even though they're programs. So, I mean, I thought that stuff was interesting. Like, I liked that lore. Um, but, and I do think that as far as like the, the fights go, like, you know, the first two movies are very cool and they have a lot of action, like you were talking about and, um, like signature moves and stuff. I do think they really tone it down in this one. Like with the exception of the big build up one at the end, we don't get a lot of like action fight scenes because it's all one big war that we're building up to. And, um, the movie feels kind of less cool maybe because uh, we're just in zion for the majority of it i think the second one was that cool just for the record <laughs> but... yeah it was still trying to go for that tone of like we're cool and edgy and leather it tried it tried well i mean yeah but the club they go to at the start of this which is which it feels like it's only i mean this whole this thing where they have to go at the merovingian feels like it only exists to give us a matrixy action scene which feels you know very derivative of the first movie but also yeah. so we can have uh a room, <laughs> a room full of people who are all in pvc and latex yeah they all look like cenobites they have like a cenobite party yeah um <laughs> because uh, yeah sure whatever well they're in an express elevator going to hell right <laughs> they hit the hell button on the elevator yeah yeah i'm upset it's going can- down I'm ups- I'm upset that you made an aliens reference as well talking <laughs> about Matrix Revolutions. That that, that upsets me dearly. I That's what you think of they're in the elevator going express elevator to hell going down. The thing with the Zion fight is that it's basically just thirty to forty minutes of CG porn. And that that's all it really is. And it, it doesn't necessarily always look bad. 
the CG. I mean, some of it does. I think sometimes the swarms look really messy. Sometimes some of the big shots look a bit just, you know. The wide shots of, like, all the mechs mm-hmm. in, like, in a line and everyone's, like, saluting or whatever in their mech suits or, you know, charging up the weapons or whatever. That that can look pretty bad. It looked kind of like, like a video game. It looked very much yeah. like an anime. <laughs> it is very... And- you know, even the first Matrix does have some anime influences, obviously. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. but this, like, but it never felt like it overwhelmed the film. It felt like it was using cool ideas and cool stylistic things from animes to kind of give us a, something in live action that we've never seen before and kind of like give it this flavor. Here, it just feels like it's an anime. It's just like this movie kind of represents the reason why I don't like anime in a lot of ways is the the big bombastic action, like to like a, a sort of sickening degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without the weight and just the convoluted kind of like, because because I associate a lot of the things in this movie with that. I mean, not just the big action stuff towards the end and how over the top it is, but also the the speeches and monologues about love and choice that just kind of feel like they're not really saying much by the time they they, they stop talking because they're just they're just kind of they're being so vague about it that it never really feels like it's making a point. <laughs> and it's almost like the Wachowskis were making this movie for an anime audience, where I don't think the first one was. It feels indulgent. It feels it feels self indulgent. Uh, so did the second one, the Mythology, to be fair. But this this definitely feels indulgent. Um, it doesn't have all the same problems of the second one, but you can definitely feel a lot of the same, like DNA in both movies. Like you can, especially if you think about it as one big movie that's been split in half. Which it, it kind of feels like it was designed that way. Like it doesn't feel like it was designed as two separate fulfilling experiences. I mean, obviously there's a cliffhanger at the end of the the second movie but i don't yeah, were they released like six months apart though they were yes yeah yeah so it is very much like you get it's the same movie you just get it in two two chunks which in theory i don't have a problem with that necessarily but i think like tv each episode should still be fulfilling and i i do think that this because of the way the two of them are structured, well, this, the structure of this one especially is so weird uh, because of the way it kind of focuses on just this first chunk in the Matrix. We get a little bit of Smith with Oracle and that teases the villain stuff, but then we don't see him, not counting the human version, until Neo goes back in at the Machine City that, you know, right for the big fight at the end. Like, we, mm-hmm. we, we leave big things just away for, for so long. And, like, couldn't we have had Neo, like, going into the machine city at the same time as the zion fight was happening and inter- intercut between them and you know so that was there... so the idea being that what neo was fighting for is the people we were seeing at the same time you know kind of yeah. thing like see them struggling to survive yeah. the same time he's on his way in and he can still have the thing where they all stop when he sort of makes the the, the sort of deal that maybe if he you know because because the whole thing that it does is that smith is spreading and he's taken over the Matrix to the point where he might have actually replaced every living being in the Matrix by the time we get to the, the big climax. Yeah. And he has become the virus that he talked about before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, effectively. And they kind of do the whole Christ that Christ thing where I think I don't know who the first character I think maybe the Oracle who says he is your opposite. He is the he is the balance trying to like keep going and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I kind of hate because I don't know if she meant it this way literally, but one of the lines she says is something like uh, you're opposites or something like that. And it, it made me think like, see, I hate that because that sounds like, oh, you are always like destined to be arch rivals. And I'm like, no, like don't, 
I, I hate when everything becomes like destined and everything becomes mm-hmm. predetermined. It just kind of feels a bit uh, wishy-washy to me. But uh, you know, it's more interesting to me that, that Smith developed naturally and that he hated Neo because of what he represented and, and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, so so the, the, this is the thing, right? So it's like, basically Neo says, like once he's taken over the Matrix, he's going to be so strong that he's going to start infecting the Machine City. And... I suppose there's something interesting to the idea that the machines design or the architect designed the idea of the one as a manner of control to give them the idea, the illusion that there were breaking out of the, the matrix and that there was an end goal in mind. But it all, but up until now, it always ended with resetting everything back to the beginning because that's just how it, that's how everything right. keeps going on. That's how Zion survives. That's the that's the trade off. But because Neo has continued to evolve past that point as the one that this evil entity in the machine world is kind of doing the same thing. Smith has become the one of the programs and he's a complete maniacal evil bastard. And he might actually take over the machines and, and rule. Uh, and so Neo says, I'll put a stop to it. And all I want in return is peace. I want, you know, I want this to all end. Uh, there's an interesting thing in there, kind of. Uh sure. But ultimately, it's all just a big excuse so we can have ridiculous slow motion fighting in the rain, which... Lots of bubbles. Lots of bubbles. <laughs> uh, we get slow motion punches where all the skin's rippling. There's not... Like, it's so over the top and silly. The way those explosions of water because the rain's so heavy every time mm-hmm. they like do like a big like knock against each other. Um, what's funny is that the most exciting part the fight that's actually okay to watch is the part in the middle where it becomes a normal fight inside the building because yeah, yeah. it starts off really big with all the you, just, you can tell it's just two actors like using the choreography that they yeah. learned to make the scene yeah and it's obviously there's a little bit of umfaddy to it you know like when neil jumps off the wall and you kind of see the circle of the crack that forms mm-hmm. as he puts all his pressure onto it and just little things but that's that's obviously a lot smaller than they fly into each other like superman and zod and <laughs> like this explosion of water yeah. and like everything at this point feels so fake and cg looking you know everything's this just this painted image uh the characters themselves i didn't notice it as badly as reloaded too much but there is one especially bad moment there's a moment where zod sorry <laughs> that's my fault <laughs> i did that to myself there's a moment where smith gets knocked away and he sort of stops himself in air and sort of growls and he goes and then he sort of swoops back in that moment yeah. he is so crappy cg looking that i i sort of started buckling with laughter uh so <laughs> yeah it's not as egregious as the second film with the the crazy 88s of smith <laughs> fighting, <laughs> fighting neo in his cape but and- uh yeah, it's it, there are some moments where it's just like uh, it could have worked on that a little bit longer, or if you weren't ready for this, then just don't do it. Yeah, and of course the justification for why he might have more power than he should have now is because the one that's fighting Neo is the is is actually the Oracle. This is the you know he took over the Oracle and actually yeah. seems to have some of her you know precognition powers. Right. Yeah. So, which, you know, again, that's maybe like one slitter that's kind of interesting that he took over someone with a special ability in the Matrix, you know, a special program, the mother of the Matrix, uh, to the point where, uh, you know, is it, is it Smith or someone else who actually refers to her as mum? Someone actually calls her mum at some point, uh, which I thought was interesting, but... Um, I don't remember. I remember the architect basically saying that she was the mother. 
Yeah, no, but someone called her mum or mother in this. One of the, I don't know if it was Smith. I think or, it was Smith, actually. Yeah. It's coming back to me now. Uh, but I thought that, okay, that's not interesting. Um, but, so yeah, there was almost a slither of something cool about all this new stuff they've set up in these two movies. Although, I'll return to the, the thought I had in the last one, because I said the last one didn't need to exist in it, because it had just been the first 20 minutes of this one. And watching this one again, like, there's a lot of this that I think you could get rid of as well. I, like, I feel like between Reloading Revolutions, there's probably a decent movie between them. Mm-hmm. If you put them together and you focus in on the parts that actually kind of might work and get yeah. rid of a lot of the excess, you could maybe do an interesting little mo- movie that kind of does something with it. But uh... Yeah, I mean, even a lot of the Zion... Uh, characters are introduced in the second film and they don't really get a lot to do because we're waiting for them to do stuff in this movie and so you could like essentially combine that story to make it like maybe it would be like an almost three hour film but you could have something there get rid of a lot of the extra fluff (laughs) yeah because even this one has a lot of fluff in it i think there's there's, there's, there's stuff that you could totally cut out um yeah did you like uh, in the Zion fight, did you like that they introduced like uh, Z's uh, like red shirt friend who was clearly there to die? Yeah. <laughs> like immediately, it's like, hey, okay, we've kind of introduced this other new character. She's probably going to die. <laughs> in fact, it's actually a really good uh, barometer. All of the all of the minor characters in Zion that were introduced in the last film all survive. Mm-hmm. All of the ones who were introduced in this one, right before the fight starts, all die. Yeah. That's that's really sloppy writing because it's just like so blatant. <laughs> I did actually like their scenes. Like as far as I mean, I I thought that the woman who played Z was just not good. But as far as like the fight goes, it was it was good to just focus on like one big thing that just needed to be taken down by a couple of people who can do it because they had the right you know, placement, some... the right strategy, and that I thought those scenes were actually kind of good in the in the overall war scene. Because I, I was bored for a lot of it, but I, you know, I sort of perked up for that one. Like, okay. It's because like, it's simple. I, I like what's happening. <laughs> it's, it's a simple goal. You understand the danger that they're in. Uh, I like you know, the design of, like, the, the the big drill that also is kind of like a transformer and then starts drilling again. You're like, oh, it's not done yet. I think the design of some of the machine stuff in this isn't necessarily... It's a bit excessive at times, but, like, when you get to the machine site at the end and you see kind of this... Like, I mean, I hate that it kind of makes the face of a baby when it's talking to Neo. I think that's a little bit too over the top and kind of... Oh, I thought it was the face of an old man, but... I mean, it probably was an old man, <laughs> but it looked baby Maybe there's a, a joke in there about how you kind of become a baby again at the end of your life. You kind of revert back. But, <laughs> um, but you know, the, the spiky nature of it, I was like, okay, I'm getting some, like, cyberpunk... Uh, you know, Borg-esque stuff almost a little bit, like a rusty Borg aesthetic. And I'm totally down for that. It didn't really feel like it fit in... Like, if I think of the first movie, I don't know if a lot of what we see in this one feels like it fits in the same world, which I guess goes along with the same thing I said about The Matrix itself, feeling like it's a different vibe, and it doesn't feel like the same thing anymore. Yeah. Because I love... I You know, you mentioned the programs feeling love, and... I think one of the themes that feels like it's, it's kind of in here, maybe they should have done more with this, is the idea that it's not about killing all of the programs because a lot of them are innocent and a lot of them deserve life as much as the humans do. Right, that, that, yeah. That's a really interesting... I mean, obviously, yes, other other stuff with AI and robots have, have done that theme. Of course they have, right? We've seen it done really well in other things. Uh, the modern version of Battlestar Galactica had a really nice take on it. Um, Westworld. So, 
Wet Westworld, of course, yeah, more recently. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, like, obviously it's been done in other places, but uh, it's definitely one of the more interesting, especially here, because it's, everything in the Matrix in the first movie is, is sort of treated with this idea of threat, and the one who retroactively turns out to be not is the Oracle, who, you know, we find out that she is actually a program. And I, th- I do think that works in the first movie. Like, I do think of her that way in the first movie, because it's an interesting, why is a program helping Neo? Uh, the idea that it's all about just more control just kind of ruins <laughs> the ending of the first one. So I don't like that part, but, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah, essentially, she's, seen, she's watching the this version of the Matrix end now that Neo has gotten to her. So she's just helping him end this cycle to start a new one. Yeah. I mean, of course, this, the movies kind of reveal that she does want it to properly end, and she is kind of encouraging him to go one step further. Uh, almost like she's giving the wrong advice to the past ones, and that she's finally hit this one. This is the one that she finally got right. It's like, okay, I finally <laughs> got an idea. I'll make him fall in love with that Trinity broad, and I'll make her fall in love with him. Because we know, cause we know right. that she told her the Trinity that first as well, that you'll fall in love with the one. Yeah. I, I do like that that through line between the two films also that you know when neo meets the oracle he says you're at this stage where all neos get to where you can either choose to reset the matrix and you can pick some people to repopulate zion because zion will exist or we can just eliminate everybody and all the previous neos before have chosen the obvious answer which is to save the people that they can and restart the matrix can I uh, say something here that might be a little bit of a hot take? Mm-hmm. I think Neo and Trinity's relationship and Reloaded and Revolutions is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe that's not actually a hot take. I think in the first movie... They're just kind of dull. I mean... <laughs> in, in the first movie, it works for how simple it is because they just kind of come to this admission by the end of the movie. And that's fine and it's about kind of the support of those around you and those people out there that will love you and it ties into the themes that we talked about like heavily in that first film in these two movies i feel like all they do is effectively complain about wanting to be together or needing or like oh i need to save her like they're constantly a plot device for the other one and needing to care about the other one as opposed to the relationship actually i don't know like because i mean trinity in this very movie her one big thing in this movie other than well dying i suppose is she gets to go to the Merovingian and her whole thing and it's almost like a weird meta joke to me because when Trinity because he, you know, he's, 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 he's sitting monologue and he's, he's, he's eating his olives and he's like ah, ha, ha, I'm French ma. and oh I have Neo he's ended up in my train station ma, 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 wee, and whatever <laughs> and effectively he's like oh you know i want the eyes of the oracle you know you've got something you can go do that for me and i'll give you what you want blah 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 and trey says oh we don't have time for this shit and just sort of quickly kiss a couple of guys and ends up getting a gun pointing to his head and says okay here's your choice you give me neo or we all die right here right now and it's okay she's willing to die for neo and it sort of establishes that point which but i'm I'm going to i'm going to like screenwriting 101 Right, there's not much more basic you can get in your script than having the character openly say, as bluntly as this might I add, that she's willing to die for the other character, and then having her die for the other character <laughs> at the end of the movie. Like, yes, it's 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 set up and pay off technically, 
but it's the most simplest. Like I've read this in a screenwriting book somewhere, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have her say that line. <laughs> There's not and it's be... such a big moment that we make it last thirty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it lasts so long. There's, like she she stands there waiting with a gun pointed to his head, and then she's like, "You really." You're really willing to die for him right now, and then of course Marika Bellucci chimes in with with both of her boobs and goes, "Yes, she she means it. She's in love. It's real. She means it." And then it goes back to him and he's like, "You really believe it, don't you? You really are willing to die for him." And then she sort of like clicks the gun and goes, "Believe it." And I'm like, "I get the point. I get what you're saying, movie. You're beating me over the head with the possibility that she might not make it out of this movie. That that's mm-hmm. what you're telling me." And I think that kind of hurts in a way because you said that Morpheus has nothing to do in this and you're right, Morpheus does feel like he has almost nothing to do. Uh, alternatively, I think Trinity might even have it worse in a weird way because she does have something to do but all she has to do is to basically be there to sell how important Neo is by, and, you know, by be willing to die for him and... I don't know if it's quite fridging because as you know, it's a trilogy. It's right at the end of the trilogy. It's a big calamitic thing getting into the, the last fight. So it's not like she's getting killed. I mean, Neo doesn't make it out anyway. Yeah, it's not like she's getting killed in the opening act to like motivate him early on or anything like that. But it just—I don't know. Uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that all three of the the the, the Trinity. The, <laughs> no, forgive the use of the word for for something other than her name, but. The, the core trinity of Trinity, Morpheus, and Neo, all three of them, by the end of this movie, are all kind of lame. And I don't really like any of them that much. Neo feels like he's not really all that knowing, or, you know, like, one of the biggest things I hate, I actually hate about this is, so they get him back, he's on the station, or on the, on the ship, sorry, and he's like, I need some time alone, and he goes away. And we have a couple of scenes of them debating things. Maybe we cut to Zion. I think this is maybe where we cut to the Smith coming for the little girl and then the Oracle. And it's fine. Mm -hmm. It comes back and he comes out and they're all debating what to do with the two ships. Because they find the Obi ship. Some of their plot around this time is about finding the Obi ship. And it turns out they're okay. The ship needs a jump start, effectively. And that's it. They're they're debating what to do, what the plan is, how to get back to Zion, help, help, help fight the war and whatever else. And Neo walks out and says... Okay, I'm Finger sorry. I, well, he says that, but <laughs> first he says, I'm sorry I took so long, but I needed time. But now I know what I have to do. I'm sorry, but this is horrible writing. The character is not prompted by anything to have learned anything or to have, like, he just goes off screen and then when the, writ- when, yeah, when the writers decide it's time for him to move the plot forward, he just comes back and says, I'm ready. I now know what I have to do. No. You you, you have characters be motivated by actions or events or by something. You have cause and effect. There is no cause and effect here. He just goes away and nothing prompts him coming back other than it's time for him to do so so the movie can get going. <laughs> this yeah. is horrible writing. It does, it does stick out. Um, and it's such a such a shame because Lana and Lily Wachowski like man did they nail that first movie like the writing was so smart and so new and such an exciting film and like I just it's hard to believe that they can go from that to just like literally bad writing (laughs) these are dumb blockbusters 
uh, dumb blockbusters with a lot of anime influence, with yeah. CW tier character drama, because because it, it, it really is. I there's there's very few things in the character rating. One one of the things, and it's not you don't necessarily have to always set something like this up, but something because I was like so against the movie by this point because it was just doing things wrong, like and just saying things and doing things just because I was such a, such a bad place with it. That when they set up that when they're going back down, so Neo makes this choice to give Neo her ship, right? The idea being that she believes in Neo. I don't know why she believes in Neo. I don't feel like she had any like interaction with him that would motivate that she would be like super believing in Neo at this point. So that felt a bit weird to me and unjustified. Uh, if she said that she believes in Morpheus and Morpheus believes in it, I may have at least bought it a little bit because they've at least told me they have a history and a connection. It'd still be a little thin, but it would be better than her saying this. But anyway, they set up this idea that to get down quick enough to the city, they have to take the like the mechanical route, the mechanical like shafts, and the the ships they have are really too big for that. But Niobe's like, no, I've done this before. I'm the one pilot who can do this. And Morpheus is all like, oh yeah, but that was like 20 years ago. You, you know, just, no, I can do this. Trust me. I can fly it down there. We can get down there. We can get there in time to save save the city uh, and help and okay fine and though that's what a lot of the, those scenes are like they're on their way out of the city and it's a lot of like just barely dodging they're running on the run from the the sentinels and it's a lot of oh you know thrust the left starboard blah 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 and like they'll duck around this corner and spin this way and go down there and it's all fine to a point the problem is is that it would have been nice the idea that there's like a a dangerous route to take to get to the city that no one should take. That's the sort of thing that really should have been like set up at some point where someone says, is there no other path? And then someone says, no, there is this, but it's too dangerous because it's impossible. You know, set it up so that when someone says, no, I'm willing to do it, it feels like a, a, a big deal to us. It's like, oh no, they're willing to do the dangerous thing that was set up before. Mm. Uh, so that stuck out to me. It's just been kind of like, oh, we're hearing about this now? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess this exists. Uh, I mean, mechanically, the idea that they sh the ship has an EMP, uh, which could, at least at the very first idea, take out, like, the entire, like, docking area full of machines, because, you know, we know that the other ships have EMPs as a sort of last-ditch effort. Right, but it uh, also will take out their defenses. It, it will, yeah. Um, did you not think it was a bit weird that Zion doesn't just have, like, I don't know, 100 EMPs, so they can do, just do this 100 times <laughs> as the machines <laughs> right. come in. I, I, like, like, I, I realise that all of their mechs are going to shut down once you use them, but if you just... Why don't you just have lots more EMPs? Are they that hard to make? I mean, the way make? they all fell out of the hole or the tunnel, like, seems Seem to, Yeah, it's a very effective weapon. Because he, he even says that when they're when they're almost like there, uh, Martian Manhunter's like, oh, like they're going to assume we have EMPs so they'll attack in waves. So, so not all of their, their forces are, like, hit out with one blast. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, so why don't you have EMPs? Where are they? Why aren't you using EMPs? Why not, like, use it first and then use mm. your bullets after? Yeah, why don't you have all the mechs <laughs> stay underground, right? So they're not hit by the EMP. And yeah. then have them all come up afterwards. And then, <laughs> you know, take the second wave with well, the... Well, presumably guns wouldn't be affected by EMP. No, no, just the mechs. But I mean, the they're me using bullets. I mean, the mechs are pretty uh, effective, to be fair. So I get why they wouldn't want to like take them out. But like I say, just have them elsewhere first, <laughs> and use all your EMP. Why haven't you been developing 
Like, surely EMPs are the most effective thing you have against in this war. Why hasn't your sole manufacturing like process the most pro- right. after air, water, and food? Why isn't the next thing that you develop in Zion <laughs> just nothing but EMPs? The one thing that can take out technology. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, I mean, and I get that all the ships were destroyed because you know that's the thing that human smith did last movie is he kind of sabotaged them all and whatever mm-hmm. but like really there's no spares sitting around zion that you can <laughs> just really silly to me i'll leave that there <laughs> try but, not to uh, think about it too much i guess uh yeah uh but before, because we'll forget to go back and talk about the, the Smith stuff. So he, he was after the little girl and whatever, and he gets to the Oracle. Um, I, I really only want to bring this up because of his awful laugh that he has after he after he consumes the Oracle. And then Oracle Smith stands up and just starts doing this maniacal laughter, and it's just, it's, it's horrible. This it's horrifying. Villain, th- this villain has no menace. This villain has no threat whatsoever. <laughs> He's just a cartoon now. And it's meaningless. I, uh, he makes a horrifying face. But yeah, then the laugh, like the obviously evil laugh that comes out, the forced evil laugh, <laughs> just becomes silly. So, bad. so, so, so bad. Uh, so, yeah, the human smith, we have to talk about that kind of caveat. So, they all kind of just buy that he has some sort of weird amnesia. <laughs> Or, I mean, they're hesitant, but they just kind of, like, roll with it and don't, like, you know, put him in a cell or just in case or something. They, he's still free to roam around. And he kills their med officer and sneaks aboard the OB ship so that he's there to kill Neo and Trinity. And we get a couple of moments here. Trinity goes down because there's something wrong. Obviously, he's, like, pulled out some batteries or whatever. And he attacks her. Neo comes in to help with the big electric gun thing, and you know she gets knocked down into the into the the hatch, but she gets up again. You never gonna keep her down. Did you think down. it was odd how long it took for Neo, Neo to, to register that it was Agent Smith? It was a little bit. I mean, I guess that it feels impossible. In a, in a sense, basically, how can, yeah. you know, no one's ever done this. No, no program has ever become a person before. But, but the guy's just doing a Hugo Weaving impression the whole time and calling him Mr. Anderson. I mean, and like, don't get me don't wrong. Don't you know who I am? He's like, no, you're just don't, some guy. Don't get <laughs> like, me wrong. It is really too cheesy, but it matches uh, Hugo Weaving. I will give this Actually, guy... I thought his this, performance yeah, was all right. I'll give this guy credit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's bad in the sense that it's, it's equally bad to the Hugo Weaving performance we're seeing in the movie. But I'll give the guy credit, he is matching it one for one. Yeah, totally. It's, it's impressive stuff, actually. Uh, to the <laughs> point where you're like, for a second you go, wait, is this just Hugo Weaving with like some really fancy like makeup and <laughs> CG or something? I think they probably, like, this is the reason they got this guy. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a Hugo Weaving impression. I, I don't know where they found this guy or what the process was. We need someone who can be Hugo Weaving. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not bad. But yeah, it's, as soon as he goes, Mr. Anderson, like, you Which feel is like at the beginning of the when they like, yeah. meet up. <laughs> I feel like at that point, Neil should have like reacted with a look, like it was like, like you'll have this moment of recognition, like no, can't it can't be. But yeah. there's like several minutes of him going, "Don't you know who I am, Mr. Anderson? I, I have I have defeated you, nope. or you've defeated <laughs> me. You're a thorn in my side." 
And he's like, huh? Still not registering. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I I get why I get why Trinity doesn't get it because because she has a moment with him as well before Neo shows up where he's like she hasn't had as many like one on one conversations. Yeah, she 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 hasn't spoken to him as much. So when he says to her like you know you've been a thorn in my side for years and every time we thought we had you you always slipped away at the last minute like. I, I buy why she doesn't and she's like wait she's like, what the she, she's <laughs> like this guy like you know Jim what are you saying Jim <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> I think his name was Bane Bane yeah see now I'm imagining I'm doing the Tom Hardy Bane voice instead of Hugo Weaving and it's even better <laughs> <laughs> Mr. No, Anderson I can't know <laughs> that's not the Bane voice <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I, I can do this you think darkness is your ally mr anderson <laughs> i'm not good at it i mean someone who's good at the big impression to do is do some mr anderson lines for us i mean i thought that was his name you know he'd be the bane of the one <laughs> It was something. If it wasn't Bane, it was something like it sounds familiar. If it wasn't, maybe it was like Bale or Bay or something. I don't know. But maybe. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, of course, the key thing here is that Neo sort of develops his like outside of the Matrix Matrix vision, where he can see anything that's machine related or connected to the network, or comes from the Matrix, or comes from the machines. He sees in a sort of yellow Matrixy kind of glow light thing well once his eyes have been taken away yeah he gets his face burned and his eyesight's gone but he can still see smith because there's a whole thing where where smith's walking towards him he's kind of cocky because he's like oh you can't see me now i can just sneak up and i like that the code of smith has sunglasses on (laughs) oh yeah like because when he sees the real him yeah (laughs) he's the sunglasses (laughs) uh but and then we cut away from this once you know once he was like i think you'll have to drive trinity <laughs> uh we cut away from this like they're just on their, their trip they're just on the road effectively the entire mm-hmm. time whilst we're doing all the zion stuff um do you know what i there was one dialogue exchange i kind of liked i'll get uh, this is this is the faintest of praise but after they came in with their emp which i appreciate that it's as much as we question like a lot of why they don't have a lot of other EMPs and you know so on and so on. I do like the simplicity of this ship has effectively a bomb that'll take them all out that are here for the time being. It'll give them a reprieve, and it's mm-hmm. all about trying to get the door open. Right. Once it gets to this point, it gets a little bit better because there's a clear goal, much like taking down the drill. There's a simple clear goal, and it's you know it's, it's the young kid who gets in the mech and he's not really trained for it, but he's like he's trying to like open the door, and it's like. Okay, I don't really care about the character or anything, but at least on simple action movie dynamics, you've given me a clear goal that I understand. You try to get the door open, and you get it open just in time to set off the bomb. They get a reprieve. Although Martian Manhunter's still a dick about it because he's like, "Yes, but you now you've you've ruined all." And like, your mechs are all down. The, the, the red shirt who said because because when he first says, "Oh, we should let him in and use the MP," and Martian <laughs> Manhunter's like, "No, we can't do that. We'll, we'll be giving them the dock. We'll be losing the dock." And then red, red shirt goes. Sir, it's gone. we've already lost the dock. And he's like, shit. But he just likes to be an addict to Morpheus, so he's like, he gives him a shit for it. Well, they have that love triangle with Naomi. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure they do. That's alleged love triangle they've referred to a couple of times. I don't know if I buy it. 
But the line that I kind of like is they go and see the council, and I hate the council. I hate this, like, Jedi council-style thing they've got. What do these people do? Like, <laughs> what are they doing with their time? One of them's a Harvard professor. <laughs> like, actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Good to know, I guess. Uh, but there's a moment where they say, like, you know, Martian Manhunter, whatever your name is, uh, do you believe we, we can even remotely survive this? And he says, don't ask me that. Ask him. And they say, why? He's like, well, because he's the one who believes in miracles. I actually thought that was an okay line of dialogue. Yeah, I thought so too. That's an okay <laughs> line. Um, it's fine Morpheus phrase. doesn't get any good lines, but... <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a line about him, at least. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. He gets to be co-pilot in this. And I don't, I don't, I don't mind that Niobe gets a thing. Like, if you want to make Niobe the hotshot pilot... established her as a character and make her do something good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, you know, if you wanted to make her... I mean, I... It'd have been nice to bring up that she was a great pilot in the last movie. If that's going to be her thing, that she's a hotshot pilot. Who I think can do they brought up crazy. that she was a pilot at least, or that she had a ship. Well, she's a captain. They didn't, didn't mention anything about a pilot in the ship. She's the, she's she's the captain. It's her ship. Oh. <laughs> you know, maybe set up the. Maybe, I don't know. Set up that her and Morpheus fell for each other because they like they they had like a friendly like pilot rivalry back in their youth or something. Like you know, give me something to tell me that she's like a hotshot pilot and. Like, maybe have her a little bit crack a joke about how she was still better than him and always was better at him than as a pilot. And he's not hurt about it. Like, you know, he, he'll happily sort of friendly flirt about it. But, you know, give me something. Look at you rewriting this script. I could... With all I the could, tropes. I could... I could... I mean, I'm not saying it'd be a perfect, you know, like, defining film, like this genre-defining film that the first Matrix was. But I guarantee you that I could probably write a Matrix sequel that ignores these two and is better than these two. <laughs> that at least functions as a movie. I was thinking that if I ever went down the line of becoming a director, that mm -hmm. my goal would be to take notoriously bad movies. I just watched Birdemic again yesterday. Birdemic! Like, remake Birdemic. them as like, great epics. <laughs> like, I just want to remake this and well, make it good. <laughs> well, Neil Blomkamp almost did a sequel to Aliens and then it got canned and that really upset me because I thought that was a perfect pairing of like it, it, don't be wrong it would have still been fan fiction but it would have been like like my like fan <laughs> fiction tailor made just for me and i would have been okay with that <laughs> anyway because so, so i don't know how the has gone i don't know I'll how the how the wachowski did this but they somehow made their own sequels feel like fan fiction to their own film which can happen because Ridley Scott did that too but Ridley Scott did it after like 30 years so it, at least it makes sense that times changed <laughs> the Wachowskis did it four years later <laughs> yeah but, but we saw in the trivia that the first movie they had been writing and working on for five years and it's two people so that's like 10 years of work true 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 uh, which is why it's a masterpiece yeah, I mean, we already we already over this whole like you know your first album, you know you have your yeah. life to write. The second album, you have two years. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we, we, you know, we 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 analyze why these sequels are bad in the the, the last review. That that's one's more about just kind of what does this one do more wrong? <laughs> did, did did it bother you just how saccharine the ending is where? For some reason, everyone in Zion just believes this young kid that the war's over when he runs in and they all cheer. And because this was the thing. See, when the machines first stop, when the deal's first kind of made that Neo's going to go fight this fight, partly on behalf of of the machines as well as the humans. 
and the, all the sentinels just stop and he, and morpheus walks out and goes neo he fights for us i'm like how did he know this wasn't already the end this already feels like definitively like they've stopped fighting you like how did he right. understand this was step one of like a no, two-step thing that too I'm like yeah. you have no idea what he's doing like it seems like it, it's it seems like the war is done now yeah because the like, machines have stopped from their perspective it feels like yeah the way he said he fights for us it's like you're making too many assu- i mean the right assumptions but you're just assuming too many things here that uh, doesn't feel believable right yeah, now totally uh like i don't know maybe like like have have neo like ask the machines hey can can you broadcast a message to zion like ha- like give give him a way to communicate and say goodbye or, or even if it's not like a, a, a conversation where you can talk back and forth like mm. have the have one of the sentinels have like a little hologram or something that pops out of neo standing there with his blindfold and have have him just say i'm making a deal or something like so they understand the stakes and understand that he's fighting for them or something like every like there's a ceasefire basically yeah there's a, there's a temporary right ceasefire yeah. but if i succeed if i succeed and take down agent smith who almost no one in zion will know who that is because <laughs> it's not it's not like... <laughs> most, most of them have never been plugged into the matrix yeah <laughs> and even the ones that do they'll all interact with smith like, you know there's a lot of agents in, in there that they've been running from actually do you know what i was thinking about as i was watching this uh particularly when i was really bored in the first like half hour as i was thinking about how they really wasted in the second movie how to introduce more like ships and people that go into the matrix right because the first movie is just the one ship right and it's just our one very focused crew and it feels very isolated and it doesn't doesn't feel like okay maybe there's others but it doesn't feel like there's like tons of them it doesn't feel like there's an army of them that are all going yeah. up and down and doing this and i was thinking like yeah like the the, the first thing they should have thought of about expanding stuff in the sequel mythology wise because i think they went too far too quick but is the idea of adding like a, new, a second ship adding and you know for you know effectively we'll just use niobe here as the because she's the, the biggest example of that in these two movies it's yeah. okay so you introduce niobe and her crew like in the second movie, they introduced all these people by them just showing up for a meeting, and there's just a room full of people in leather coats. And it's just yeah. this nothing moment of, like, oh, like, wouldn't it have been fun if, like, they were in an action sequence or they were running from something and they were in a, a, a pickle? And then someone, like, jumps out and starts to help them. And you can, and the audience, without being told explicitly, goes, wait a minute, this is someone like them. This is another, like, person from, you know, who's escaped and is free and is is helping them in the matrix and then we can sort of like meet who they are next and like really the second movie shouldn't have went to the city the second movie should have just been the idea of there's more than one ship and there's more people who are willing to like and maybe we could have had more time to focus on building those characters and make them feel like they actually have a purpose and yeah you know stuff i don't know i was i was thinking about it i was like yeah like don't just like put me in a room full of people in leather like have (laughs) Have it be like a kind of an entrance to make it feel like a big deal. Oh, there's others. There's more. But right, I, yeah. I, su- I suppose the problem it's with that... It's sort of implied in the first film, but then, yeah, it would be nice to have a slow introduction of like, oh, yeah, there's... I wonder, like, where they focus on because obviously Neo is taking care of this area of America and Morpheus. Mm-hmm. So, like, are they in, like, Australia or China or something? or Brazil, who knows? Or even just the, the the idea that the first film does. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons why the first film works, but one of the things that it does with its mythology is that it slowly reveals it and 
it makes finding out about every detail kind of like tantalizing and you're kind of it's yeah. like a good meal where you're just like every bite's kind of good this movie kind of more more reloaded i suppose because that's one that introduces all the new things but these two movies just like throw you in at the deep end because and it makes it all less interesting and it's not and it's not that i'm saying that it should be more complicated it's just that you know savor each new element Sa- savor the yeah. idea that there's more characters that are jumping in and out of the matrix savor the idea that there's good programs savor the but it doesn't savor these things it just kind of Ugh, all at once here it is overload the, anima- the animatrix was before reloaded right in between matrix and reloaded i think it was like right before the because it was it, it was like a tease up to the it, yeah it was almost like i mean otherwise quite say it was promotion for the sequels but it was sort of like made to time it with the so it came out in dvd like i don't know like right. a few months before i don't really remember that. the the animatrix very well i remember i enjoyed it though for the most part mm. and i think those have some stories that connect to like the other characters that are introduced i could be very wrong about it but i guess that's sort of like your introduction to exploring the the world and zion and other characters that are in the matrix yeah um and that's 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 the other fundamental flaw this one is just in why this plot's so kind of dull and uninteresting apart from not caring about the people in zion for the most part uh and if you want them, and like I say, if you want them to act as just here's the people that Neo's trying to save, you have to intercut it with what Neo's doing. Th- this this should not be extensive. This should be snippets we get whilst we're really following what Neo's doing more than following them. But yeah. it's obviously you know we we have the big mech porn and all the blah blah blah. But the the, the big thing though is that it really tries to make it about Neo versus Smith, and nothing in this film or the last one justifies why we brought Smith back. It's just. So, so when he shows back up in the rain and the music's doing almost like a Terminator, it's like there's the, the clanking and the music. The music is steps. really epic also. Almost too much. Like, I actually laughed out loud. See, see you after he dies because obviously he, he, he lets, almost at the end of the fight, he lets Smith consume him because he realizes that the Oracle's still kind of in that one. And it's like, oh no, if I let him take me and I'm connected to the Machine City, the Machine City can then delete him effectively. Uh, and that's what happens and resets the Matrix and blah, blah. But after this happens, not only does Neo have like a like a Christ pose, right? And on top of that, when he glows from the chest, there's a couple of seconds where you can actually see a literal cross, cross? Yeah, yeah, on his chest. But and all the all the tubes and stuff make angel wings behind him. Yeah, the light. Yeah, when it, when it goes further out, yeah, you can see like almost like an angel shape. But the music is what I wanted to bring up here because as this is happening, the, there's like a sort of like gospely chant kind of comes into the soundtrack, and it's like. We get it. Nuance, people. <laughs> Nuance is a wonderful thing. Nuance like a hammer. <laughs> Look, I- I'm going to borrow uh, a-, a-, a paraphrase something from Legends of Tomorrow, which is funny because I was making fun of CW shows, but amusingly, the one that was actually still pretty entertaining was Legends of Tomorrow because it was just like a fun cartoon and it knew it was that. It didn't try to pretend to be anything else. Um, But there was a line in that about how the team are kind of messy and they're, they're, you know, like, some jobs require a scalpel, but they're more like a chainsaw. But sometimes, you know, a chainsaw is what you need. I don't think your Christ imagery <laughs> and your... Because the first film is pretty nuanced. The first film had all those layers. There's There was so much to analyse and, and, like, talk about. And there's a lot to talk about in this, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> So, th- 
this is a chainsaw. This is like ten chainsaws. This is and if you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, there's a moment <laughs> where Dennis Hopper goes to fight Leatherface, and he has like two mini chainsaws. I had no idea he was in that. Yeah, and he has a big chainsaw. But he also has two like mini hand hit like single handed chainsaws that he sort of dual wields at one point. Like this is this is the cinematic equivalent of the director's dual wielding chainsaws as they're beating you over the head with the point they're making. Right. <laughs> Uh, and the 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 movie the <laughs> actual comparison the actual ending to the movie is the Oracle is now sitting on a bench on a nice bright sunny day says so the, the the happiest the Matrix world's ever looked and the architect walks up and says is this what you wanted he's like yes I want peace and it'll last as long as it can blah blah but you got the scorching sunlight cut rising up between the skyscrapers and then the little girl who was introduced you know the the program daughter who you know the last exile she was referred to as earlier on by uh, someone. She comes up, and the Oracle looks up and says, Did you do that? And she's like, Yeah, for Neo. And it's like, Okay, this idea that she's special because she was created from love, kind of like how love was involved with Neo and Trinity, and they, they could do special things so that she's, you know, you know whatever. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the end of the movie is just her going, That's very pretty, and I hope we see Neo one day again. And then we just have the music going absolutely, like, over the top, like, triumphantly, like, you know cheesy as the sunrise is happening before it goes to like messiah chanting in the credits and i'm like <laughs> this ending the, 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 these last 30 seconds could you have, like watch the first matrix again and then, you know picture this last 30 seconds does this feel like it fits with that movie in any way shape or form no um <laughs> no it does not I had some questions about the, like, uh, I guess they've restarted the Matrix again during a peaceful time because mm-hmm. there are skyscrapers there, so they're going to fill it with humans, I suppose. Well, humans I, that choose to be in it. I got the impression that all the humans just kind of reverted back the same way that uh, Oracle and, you know, okay. the, the kids Yeah, because Smith definitely took over, like, all of the humans. Yeah, I, I think they all reverted. And I thought that when that back. happened that the human died. No, no, I think they all revert back, and I presume they just all have their minds wiped, and they're all just put back wherever they're supposed to be. Uh, obviously, the architect says that anyone who wants to be free will be freed, because that's now mm-hmm. their in peace time. But anyone who wants to stay can stay. And the, the thing is, is that there's probably going to be enough that want to stay that, that they'll probably still have their batteries. Like, there'll probably be enough people who want the system, who want to be in it, and that's okay. Yeah. That's their choice. Uh, you know? Which... Yeah, like um, Cypher. I had yes. to think about it. I mean, he's not there because he died, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like him. Yeah, but like, you know, yeah. people just, uh, I mean, the world sucks outside, so <laughs> why not get plugged in? Yeah, but n- now that they don't have to hide like they yeah. did before, maybe they'll, they'll, you know, the standard of living will come up. I actually, I was kind of laughing halfway through this movie because, you know, when they have all the meeting scenes with all the people from the, sh- the two ships and they're debating mm-hmm. things, it was starting to make me laugh how there was only three different colors of uh, clothes and they were all in these three different colors. And I'm like, why is it all the same three colors? Like, what, what? <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Is this Star Trek all of a sudden? Just like I, the... well, I was thinking like, so they have one person who's in charge of making these like fishnet sweaters with like the same rips throughout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I yeah. That's one of the things where. I like that they're kind of tattered, but they're so ripped at points in these two movies that I, I, I start to wonder, like, 
like they're still making more clothes in Zion, right? Like they're not just using yeah. hand me downs like constantly. Like, I mean, I mean, I, okay, yes, I, I'm assuming there's not like livestock to take like natural, re- from. yeah. But I mean, they have other sources of fabric. <laughs> there's other <laughs> versions you can do. It's not the only choice. Uh, can can humans still be a battery if they just plug in through the back of the brain and not have to be put into po- pods like filled with goo and have the thing down their throat also? Maybe they can talk a trade thing where, you know, like when you go to sleep, you plug in for, mm-hmm. to, to, to have your energy used a little bit for the city. But in return, the machines give supplies to everyone and things like that. There's like a sort of trade agreement there where everyone, you know, like volunteers to give a little bit of energy and sounds like we're uh sounds like we're pitching a matrix four i highly doubt that's going to be what the matrix four is i mean maybe i I mean Uh, neo and trinity are in it for the record i don't want this to be a movie plot i'm just sort of picking (laughs) apart the the world of setup now yeah (laughs) um I don't know, it's fun to speculate. Uh, yeah, but still the movies f- f- get any fun in it. <laughs> we have to make our own fun. Yeah, it's not very good, is it? <laughs> oh, dear. It is uh, exercise in excess that feels like it's not really saying much. Like, I know, because I know they wanted, like, the moment where Neo, like, stands up, because he's had his the shit kicked out of him because Smith is super strong now. He's, he's Oracle Smith. He's, 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 he's done the big, you know, dive into the ground attack and neil can barely stand and smith's like why do you keep doing this why do you keep fighting is it for love is it for for you is it for honor is it for the people is it this and neil just sort of stands up and you know struggles out the words because i chose to and i i want to love that i I want to you know the idea of the whole thing being about free will and choice and that very much was a theme of the first one but they murkied it up so much with the second of like like adding all these layers to not layers in a good way but layers in a oh we, oh we didn't really have choice this was all intended anyway it's all fate you don't really have choice so you know sometimes you can convolute it too much that the simplicity of the message just goes away yeah and i think that, that these two movies are convoluted in all the worst ways and they're far too simplistic in the writing in all of the 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 worst possible ways uh which when you combine those two worst possible ways together, you get a really boring, unengaging set of characters who you don't care about. It makes you not care about the ones that you did care about in the first place. You have a lot of boring action scenes that don't matter. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, see that Zion fight? There was a good 10-minute portion in the middle where I was probably staring at Twitter the entire time because it was just... <laughs> like, I, I felt nothing from it. It was just... There was just nothing. Yeah, I watched and I watched the whole thing. I didn't get distracted by my phone, but um, I'm sure you didn't miss much. I mean, everything you brought up, I, I saw. So clearly, yeah. clearly there was nothing notable in the, the times <laughs> I was glancing away. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that I'm not going to watch Reloaded Revolutions again. Obviously, we'll watch 4 when it comes out. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. My expectations right now are at a... I will, I will be impressed if it's decent. <laughs> if it's passable, <laughs> I'll be impressed at this point after these two again yeah yeah and unfortunately the wachowskis haven't really proven themselves since the matrix either unless it's only one wachowski this time though maybe the other one's the bad apple <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh. 
Is it uh, Lana? I don't know. I can't. I, see, I immediately thought. I think it was Lana the, is the one with the dyed hair, like the crazy hair. But I immediately thought it was Lily who was doing the new one. So, but I don't know. Now you're making me second guess myself. I can. Oh, I'll, I'll click and find out, shall I? I'll, what <laughs> one is it? What 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 one is uh? I I have I have some hope for the Matrix Four. I just you know I want it to be good. I I want these directors to be good. Yeah, you know, it sucks when you I'm know you get you get like a a masterpiece film and then everything that comes out afterwards. You're like this will be the one. This will be the next Matrix. To uh just to fix the uh the debate as Lana who's doing the who's solo directing the new one. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, I did not remember Christina Ricci and uh, Jessica Henwick being announced in the cast, but <laughs> they're there. Uh, so. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> I guess. I remember, well, I remember Christina Ricci. Oh, did and, we not uh, talk about it in one of the news? Yaha Abdul Mateen II's in this. He's mm-hmm. pretty good. So it's got, it's got a good cast, so I'll give it He's that. It's going to be the Candyman movie. It is going to be the Candyman movie. I'm excited uh, for that one. Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Uh, there's a there's a distinct lack of Morpheus though. I will, <laughs> I will say that. Just my glance. Maybe this Matrix doesn't have a Morpheus. What? Oh, What's think... Fish doing now anyway? Come on. Well, he's I don't know. Is he still doing John Wick sequels with Keanu? There's all there's still buddies. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and John Wick four and five are both shooting back to back or something thereabouts. So. Yeah. It, it's, it's the new Matrix. <laughs> Do you know what? It's baffling. I saw a headline the other day. Uh, Fast and Furious 10 11 are shooting together starting in like January. And I'm like... Yeah, Fra- I heard someone reveal or say... 10? Like, I guess what's his name is calling it 11 part 1 and part 2. Oh, oh they extended it even more. But just the idea that like there was a time when this was only Friday the 13th and franchises like that that would get up to insane double digit numbers. I mean, these movies are insane. And that, I mean... Yeah, but they're big blockbuster movies. Like, you know, I, I, I said insane. I mean, there's nothing insane well, about it. I guess. I mean, there's so many of those, but they don't have numbers attached to them. Well, most movies don't know. Yeah. But I think, but I think Bond. It's it's, it's true, but it, I think the reason why we separate that a little bit in our head is because because it changes the actor, so it feels like a fresh reboot every four or five. Yeah. Years. Uh, is Batman in double digits yet? In total? Mm. Not including the animated movies, because I think that's cheating, because there's a lot of those. Um, Starting no. with the Adam West movie, I guess. If you get Adam is- West, you've got seven, eight, and if you include Batman v Superman, I guess that's nine. So, But that's a bit of a and stretch. Justice League. I, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't know if I'd count the team-up movies as, as part of the Batman movies. Well, okay. So I, I would say he's at eight. I would say Batman's at eight movies. Soon to be nine with uh, uh, Pattinson. Rob, Robert Pattinson and uh, oh, clever <laughs> and Matt Reeves. So yes, we love Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is very There's good. There's a franchise we have to return to. We do have to return to it, but we got other stuff to uh, to to do as well. Um, mm, in the meantime, like the Tomorrow War. Well, that's not a franchise, but yes, we do have to do Tomorrow War. That's... Oh, no, you're saying that. That's probably already went out. You've probably got that episode. Probably. Before this. Oh, wait, I actually just thought of something. Hopefully it was good. Hopefully I'm wrong. 
I just I was thinking about something. I'll I'll discuss something with Hara off air. There's, there's a executive meeting to be had between uh the the co uh creators of the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, but anyway, Ooh, sounds important. Yeah, I, I guess I'm done. I don't think I have anything else that I need to need to add on Matrix Revolutions. It's shit. Um, I I think two is also shit. I think there there's a lot of similar shit between the two films, but uh, there's also things that make each one shit in their own unique ways. This one goes even more cartoony in a way that really is just hard to take serious. And with that, I will ask Tara for her rating. Yeah, it's not it's not good. Um, at least I thought Reloaded had some memorable moments that I still enjoyed watching. But this one, uh, I, there isn't really a whole lot that I enjoyed watching it this time around. Um, maybe I'll revisit it again in like a couple decades. <laughs> but um, as of right now, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah, so just to reiterate some of the dialogue from one of the scenes I was complaining about uh, where they just reiterate things. Uh Trinity walks into the, the room with her bag. Neo's got his bag. And he or she says or he says, you know, I know I know when you know, you knew when, when you looked at me that I had to do this. It's like, yes, just like you knew when you looked at me that I was coming with you. So we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> like that was that was just one of the little snippets from like you're literally just describing and explaining the previous scene that you had. Like the last scene you two were in, you're just describing it again. And, and try to make it so Pretty meaningful. Pointless. So that you know, that's just a, that's just a, a slither. It's an example of the thing that was pissing me off the most in this movie. Um I gave what did I give the last one? I gave it like a three or a four, didn't I? <laughs> I don't remember. It was something in that range. I think I gave it a six or something like that. Yeah, I think this one is probably a little worse. Although I do think Reloaded is very bloated and pointless and boring. But this is boring in a different way. <laughs> which is impressive. It's impressive. There's layers of boredom to these movies, which is not something you want to be saying. So... Two out of ten. Yikes. Two out of ten. Th- this is a, this is pretty much as bad as a big budget movie typically can get. Um with a few notable exceptions that will go a little bit lower, but you know, I I, I t- typically something with this budget won't even go this slow just because well, at least the technical side will probably be okay in a movie that costs this much. But Sometimes when you when you're ruining the goodwill of a genuinely great first movie, it adds an extra bit of space to the hatred. Then you're just like, nah, screw you. <laughs> Two out of ten. Uh, you know. Okay. You you brought up Birdemic earlier. That that that's probably like a zero out of ten because that doesn't even have sound mixing. The first time you hear someone speak in that movie, you can hear that like, all the background audio like jump up and all that. It's like, okay, you know what? This doesn't even qualify. Ooh, this is not a finished movie. This is- I actually think the movie is funny enough to on its own to be enjoyable. With the exceptions of the scenes where there are eagles screeching 
over and over and over again over dialogue you're just like just turn the eagles off or please well, do well, something here's the thing i want to make this clear shoot them just because i gave it a zero does not mean i don't think that is more worth watching and there's more value in watching even just as a see if you're learning to make movies or you know write scripts or direct movies that is a good thing to watch to see what happens when you completely get everything wrong yeah even the pronunciation of solar panels solar panel. <laughs> solar panel. Uh, i don't think there's a, be- a better scene to show someone how how bad editing can be like how good editing is really important than the scene where they announce something at the meeting and they clap and every time like, instead of sounding like the claps lasting a long time you can clearly hear them getting slower and then it cuts to a new shot and they all start going really fast again and, then, <laughs> and it keeps like extending the, the clap but you can tell that it's slowing down. like they're leaving it too long to cut to the new shot every time so, oh, it, man. so it's like I don't know, it's really funny. Anyway, yeah, check out Birdemic, uh, Shock and Terror, whatever it's called. <laughs> the full title. So it's a joke. That's right. Um, so there you go. That's a, that's a discussion on Matrix Revelations. Uh, Not the end of the story, though. We'll be back. It was for a long time, but mm-hmm. then now, now everything comes back, and the, the you know at least one Machowski went to the payday, so here we are. We're getting, we're getting <laughs> Matrix 4 at the end of this year so yes uh so in theory you should have had tomorrow war before this although we've not actually watched and reviewed that or recorded that episode yet so it's a really weird thing so i won't tell you what's coming next because it's not entirely sure especially since i need to talk to tara about something that might shake up things so thank you very much for joining us of course but uh, uh if you've been this far into the review you can put the word Birdemic. Sure, put Birdemic. <laughs> put Birdemic into the comments. Uh, you can like and subscribe, of course. That is the main way you can help YouTube channels. Uh, hitting those buttons is very important, so please do. Uh, Tara is going to post for the thumbnail. Uh, before I do this in uh, Deep Blue Sea, we have to record it like separately in a little bit after the fact. Which So it wasn't in the episode. It was just which like you did quick... end up using that anyway. I did use that. I thought I did a shark fin. My hat like a shark fin. No, the what I, what I used was the, the pose you did and that little clip. Oh. <laughs> we always right. record so late. I don't know what I did. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Pause. <laughs> I'm trying to do yeah. the Trinity thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it no good? Well, our hands go up a, way, a lot higher. The problem with that is that your hand was cut off at the side, so I can't cut around it. <laughs> so you have to make sure your hands are still in. Well, they can go out. Yeah, they have to still be in frame. All right, fine. I'll just smile. It looks like you're doing a, 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 a some sort of weird chicken thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, move the makeup the way. Everyone knows the chicken maneuver. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Pause. Huh? You look far too happy for, for this <laughs> thumbnail, but okay, we'll go with it. I had a bit of curious. It's, a bit, it's ironic. It's an ironic smile. Um, That's what okay. the kids are into these days. Irony. Yes. Uh, Tara, why don't you tell all the kind people about Patreon? <laughs> sure. Oh, oh yeah. I need to thank the producers first. Hold on. I'm forgetting my format. Oh, I'm very no. tired. I'm tired tonight, guys. Okay. I don't think I've done too badly given my, my current sleepiness. 
Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bornow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are all higher tiers, the producer tier, in fact, over at patreon.com slash TV. Tara, tell them all about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you enjoy the reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're looking for your favorite uh, David Carradine science fiction movie where he has a power glove, well, it's there. It's called Future Force. Um, if you're looking for the sequels to movies that we... That's the one! That's the one you remember <laughs> to mention? Is the one we did like a year ago? Hey, I'm reaching. Okay, I get it. Um, there's other stuff on there too. Time Cop. Yeah. Uh, all the sequels to movies that we've started on this main show. So, oh. yeah. Check it out. Why not promote the newest one? Extra was a hit. There you go. Go check out Extra, the, the yeah. newest Patreon exclusive episode. Extra. That was, that was a blast. So... That's there. And uh, if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to these reviews one day early. And some other shows we do, you get a whole week early. So go head over and check that out. If you're interested, you get lots of stuff for it. There's a whole back catalog of movies now. Thank you. I didn't mean to distract you. I was just... Uh... I, you, really... I saw you checking your scent. Yeah, it's really hot today. And... You know, it's been, it's, you know, I showered in deodorant and all that at the start of the day, but it's, it's been a while now and I've been sweating all day. So it's, uh, it's uh, get, get a bit, great. Get a bit musty. <laughs> I blame the cat. Firefly's on my lap. He's adding to the heat. The little bastard that he is. Oh, yeah, but you get snuggles. Yeah. There's, there's definitely those worst days of summer, though, where I'm like, no, no more heat. Cats, be gone. I hate you all. <laughs> be gone with your body heat, you feline menaces. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Luckily, in those really bad days, they also feel miserable for the heat, so they're okay with it. <laughs> they're like, yes, leave us, leave us be. We're all going to stretch out as much as possible without touching each other. <laughs> I'm so sleepy. So am I. I'm, I'm very loopy. I don't know if that came across in the last five, ten minutes, but uh, this has been your Atomic Cinema Experiment episode. Uh, mercifully, it was half an hour, they were about shorter than the last two, but I guess it's because there wasn't as much new things to talk about in this one, so that makes sense. So, thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction movies and computer add salsa. I know kung fu. <laughs> <laughs>